the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leapson. Hopefully you're having a great day and on your way home if you're working. And if you are home, tuning in or you're working and tuning in, I appreciate you very much. We appreciate you and glad you're here. And hopefully you're having a fantastic day. There's so much going on around the world. And when you start to sit back and you prepare for a show like this and as you know I was we had the the Buskirk and Graham show when Seth was running for Congress and you get to a point where you start looking at the information and you start going oh my gosh and then it goes deeper and deeper and there's layers of this information so what we hear what you hear and what we express on the show I would encourage you to go find out for yourself in so many different ways to do it read both sides like don't just read what you believe are people that line up with everything you're thinking about it's healthy for you to have a balanced perspective as it relates to the left and the right. One of my favorite publications, which sometimes I'm challenged to read it, is the Financial Times because I get in there and it's and it's again it's European based, you know, again quotations up, and their perspective is somewhat of an outsider, but it forces them to be more investigative in the way they do things because they just can't make assumptions because they're not here all the time doing what they're doing. So we get into it and it is pretty astounding what we see from our media on both sides but you'll see the pendulum swing as far as opinions are concerned on the right and the left as well and it's our job to find somewhere in the middle look when you if you took a poll of let's see pre-2010 if you watched what happened in the tea party movement it was really astonishing it was one of the most impressive organic movements that really have ever happened in our country because you had people that were just done with the big spending. You know, it wasn't a Democrat or a Republican thing. It was a people thing. And we, the people, stood up and said, don't tread on us. Quit spending all our money. Quit earmarking, being crazy. They wanted fiscal accountability. They wanted limited government. And they were tired of being pushed all over the place. I went to many of the early Tea Party events and I listened, and I was able to actually speak on some of the policy things that we should consider and the responsibility of being fiscally responsible and just listening to the people. I had people come up to me and say, I'm a Democrat, I'm a libertarian, I'm a this, I'm a, I'm a, I don't declare a party, I'm independent. And you heard people that talked, and what they wanted is this accountability and to help and have the government kind of work itself out. Prior to the Tea Party the election following it, if you were to take a bell curve, and you would look, you'd find most of the people kind of in the center of that bell curve, kind of a normal curve, right smack in the center, and that was kind of the basis. If you went to Congress, you'd kind of see the same dynamic. Well, what happened, there was such a huge impact on sweeping people that you saw the bell curve almost invert as it really the public. You had your far right and your far left. And people that didn't play well with the Tea Party movement, so to say, maybe showed some more liberal leanings or centrist leanings, they get just wiped out by a Tea Party. The people in the far left were able to stay there because they lived in communities that would never be toyed with by a Tea Party movement or what have you. So you get your Nancy Pelosi's of the world over here on this particular side and the Bernie Sanders who are there forever, it would appear. But you look at it and that inversion of the bill curves means there's a no man land in the center. 
And when you have that no man land in the center, it makes it very, very challenging for people to get deals done and make things work. Believe it or not, during the, the President Trump's election, you started to see that bell curve kind of flatten itself out. The the media wanted to go crazy and show this polar differences and all these crazy things were happening. They didn't want to you didn't want to show any unity whatsoever within this country because it wasn't good for the narrative. It wasn't good to give him any kind of accolades whatsoever. And so they just they wouldn't talk about how there was more bipartisanship in a number of different ways happening. It just couldn't they just didn't report it. And anybody that would suggest that they there wasn't any information report would be crazy in suggesting that. Now, I've talked about a lot of things. I've talked about the border dynamics that are happening here. We've talked about what's been happening with the defunding of the police officers, the conflicts that are happening in various places of this world. And now we've got Israel and Gaza. Again, I mean, look, it's not, it doesn't take any magical illustration to show you that when Trump was there, there was a very obvious engagement for peace in the Middle East. Between the Palestinians and the Israelis, you had a balance that was starting to strike a chord. Maybe people say, I got shafted, I got shafted. What they say is if you, if you, a good compromise, a good deal is when both parties go away kind of mad feeling they got stuck in the eye, both of them, because that means they found their way to a real compromise or what have you. He's gone. President Trump's not there anymore. You have Biden who comes out today, kind of kept a neutral, says he didn't like the violence that's happening there, kept a neutral disposition. Now he's calling on Netanyahu to cease fire and do it. Now, that to me shows a lot and should show a lot to the people that are listening to this show is that he's picking sides now. Okay, he's going to Netanyahu. Where was he when Hamas was lobbing thousand missiles in the sky and the Iron Dome had to pick all these missiles off and they weren't strategically placed. They were just randomly shot into the into Israel, into Jerusalem, hoping that they're going to hit people and stuff just to make a point. Okay, again, they were saying, hey, look, we didn't like the way that our people were treated during Ramadan and and the time and the police were being uh, not kind and, and kicking people out. That may be the case. I wasn't there. But I got to tell you, when people are lobbing missiles into that country and not expecting retaliation, and Israel has not been shy about this. They are aggressive, and they will push hard into the region if somebody's threatening their nation. So again, when Donald Trump was in place, they felt that same thing. He stood up in front of nations and said, I will retaliate. In this case, Syria and Iran and some of the things that were happening, and I'll protect my country. And in the same vein, he said to the other leaders of the world at some of these U.N. conferences, you should be saying the same thing. It's your country, and you need to defend your country. You need to do the best for your country. And when he said things like that, that's when I became a believer in him. And see where they are. Hey, we've got Antonio online here. Antonio, how are you? Hi, Robert. How are you? I just called in because I turned on. I just finished working for the day, working from home. All right, great. And uh, turned on. Turned on Seth Leibson, and you know what? I heard your voice, and Robert, it's been a long time since yes. I've heard your sage voice, man. I know oh, Larry man. Elder's the sage, but man, oh, no. you're a local hometown guy. That, um, and I thought, I think about you often, too, about wonder what you're doing, where you're at, and what's going on. But I really had to call in and just say thank you for doing this for, for Seth and for all your listeners out there and for people like me, man. I really appreciate, appreciate you and what you have to say. Hey, I appreciate that. It means a lot. I, I love this state and I love this country, and I know you do as well. And 
it's you get passionate about it, and you've, you've just got to try to understand it and try to find solutions and work together with people to have good outcomes. But I appreciate you calling in. It was unexpected, and I appreciate it. it makes me feel good to be back, and, and I love being here. Yeah, man. Um, hope to hear from some more from you. you. I really appreciate what you have to say and really do uh, thank you for everything that you've done and for this state and for, uh, for the radio show and for us listeners, man. You take care of yourself, and you be safe. You too. Thank you very much for calling in. Hey, you know, I'll tell you, it's really this. It means more than you can imagine. I mean, I got a little choked up when he said that, because uh, when when my wife and I decided my family decided to serve in the capacity or or try to get elected as the Arizona Republican chairman, it was it was so big. It was so much bigger than what we were even considering we became. But what happened was after we got elected, one of the goals was is to kind of restore community in our state. I don't mean just the Republican community. I mean the communities, right? We have African-American community. We've got a tribal. We've got 22 tribal communities. We've got our Latino community. We have our Asian communities. The fastest growing um, community in our state is our Asian community, which includes Filipinos or Indian, Vietnamese, Chinese, Taiwanese, and on and on, Bangladeshi, and you just go on. I mean, we have a remarkable diversity in our community here. And then you go and we try to engage with everybody. So we went to different events and stuff. We fall in love with all the culture and tradition within our state. And you fall in love with the people. You start to see, you know, who's having hard times and good times and what have you. And you have everybody that's just trying to make ends meet. And it, gives, it should give you a passion to serve. And we just fell in love with our state. And it became a community message more than anything. The one thing I think I said the most out there was you don't see party in the Constitution. You see we the people in the Constitution. And so trying to do the best you possibly can to serve and to find our way to a place where people feel comfortable serving together for a common good. Jobs, opportunity, prosperity, and safety is the mission. And we find our way. We kind of fall away from this core belief. And, um, and I'm not saying that, there, that I brought any special formula to it. I was surrounded by the most remarkable leaders and team members and community leaders that just really want to have the best outcome for the people. And that's what frustrates me right now is it's not that we're complacent. We're busy people. And sometimes it takes a lot to break away from everyday life to find our way to a point where we can serve in a way that's going to change outcomes. Last night I looked at my sweet daughter, Faith, and I said to her, I know you're going to change the world. I know she will. She's going to be off to college in D.C. It freaks me out of my mind. She's my little sidekick. And I know she's going to impact the world. I look at each of my kids and I believe that. And I believe in you. And so as we press forward in the rest of this show, too, and as we talk about these different policies and people, remember that you have a voice today and you can be or change anything you'd like to do. And it's important to do it and engage in a way that's meaningful and has purpose and do it with a goal in mind. So we'll be back after this break and we'll get into it. And Antonio, thank you. I appreciate you very much. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. Uh, this is 960 The Patriot, and hopefully you're having a fantastic day. We just, we were, went in the break, or just before the break, talked a little bit about what's happening in Israel and the Palestinians and this whole notion of peace and what have you. There was a quote that just came out. I mentioned that uh, the Biden administration did not weigh in until just about an hour ago or so as related to what was happening in the Middle East. 
the only way in is like, hey, we wish there was peace. We wish there was peace, whatever. Now he comes out and he says Biden wants, and I put in quotation, calm in the Mideast. So much for peace is what this headline says. This is in Politico. And it's interesting because if you look at the quotations here, the Biden administration would like Israel, Israelis and Palestinians to calm down. And I got to tell you, this just tells you a lot about the sub- sophomoric approach to this by this administration. They, you don't tell these countries that have this history of conflict over religious, territorial, other conflicts. You don't tell them just to calm down. I mean, it, it's like one of the most condescending things I think you could ever tell a nation's leader is to calm down. I mean, the reality is everybody wants peace. I mean, people want to worship in peace. They would not like to have to look up in the sky and see missiles being blown out of the sky because they're about to land into a neighborhood. And if you're in the Gaza, on the side of the Palestinians, you don't want missiles firing in and killing innocent people either, right? But the reality is, is Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization that has been lobbing missiles into another community. This isn't the citizenry standing up and saying, look, we don't like the way the cops are treating us in these holy lands and these holy areas. We want to be able to worship and be left alone. This is a terrorist organization using this as an opportunity to try to kill innocents and to strike fear into people's hearts. When I was in Israel, we had a tour. We had incredibly armed guards around us. I was with a delegation from the Republican National Committee, and we went everywhere, okay? And you could see this feel as you kind of went, came closer to the West Bank and what have you, and you get a feel of what was happening and the, and the tensions that were there. There was absolute tension. So, for instance, I was at a hotel. We had gone with a touring group, and we went to the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives, that's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And we wanted to tour the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, the tour group we went literally walked through the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like, here's the Garden of Gethsemane. Here's this. Here's this. Blah, blah, blah. Get back on the van and leave. So because they had an agenda and we were running behind. So they want to get us to these places. Well, as a Christian, I believe that the Garden of Gethsemane is one of the most sacred places on earth. If you understand the significance, if you're not Christian, the significance, we believe that that is where Christ atoned for the sins of the world. He, he said this is the place where he took upon him the sins of the world, bled from every pore. So my wife and I agreed that when the tour bus gets back, it was still light out, that we would go back to the Mount of Olives okay, and do it. And um, But we were told not to be there. This is more Palestinian-run territories, okay, and not to be there after dark just because. So we're like, okay. So we're standing there, and we were trying to hail a cab to take us over there. First cab comes up, says, where do you want to go? We want to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, sorry, I won't do it. Leaves. Next cab comes up. Where do you want to go? We want to go to the, the Mount of Olives. We'd like to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Nope, sorry. They leave it. I look at the concierge at the hotel. I'm like, what is going on here? He said, they're Israelis. If they go there, they're afraid of being pulled out of their cars and beat up if they take you there. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And he said, no, this is the way it is. There's conflict, Robert. I got it. Okay. So we get in a cab. We find a Palestinian driver. They drive us over there. We have an experience. Okay. And um, it was getting dusk. And as we're leaving, there was, there was interaction with some people. My wife and I, are, look, we just wanted to see some places. We went to Mary's Grotto and stuff where Mary's believed to have been buried. And we come up onto the street, and we start to get cornered by a group of individuals. Well, this cab driver, this insightful cab driver, 
waited for us. We didn't ask him to do it, but he waited for us, ran across the street, grabbed us and threw us into his cab, basically, and said, let's get out of here because we were about to get jumped by, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight people at one particular time because we shouldn't have been there at that time. Okay, so you watch this and this is a cultural dynamic. Okay, I don't know what the cause was or whatever, but I'll tell you, it's a cultural dynamic that people are living in every single day. Okay, when you have cab drivers saying, no, thank you, don't want the fare, I'm out of here. And these are hardworking people that want to get things done and they'd love to have the fare. But no, they, their, their personal safety is what it is. This is years, hundreds of years of this mounting and mounting and these experiences happening. And to have the Biden administration come out and say, just calm down. Ideally, they want a, a sustainable calm. That calm, because and it says here, it says the Biden administration would like Israelis and Palestinians to calm down. Ideally, a sustainable calm. This is in quotations. That comes because the two sides de-escalate tensions and bring a halt to the violence. My gosh, this is like the most, this is an epiphany, right? I mean, nobody wanted that, right? They don't want this to happen. Well, come on. This is crazy. It's exactly what they want to happen. But there's, there's a line where you start to look at principles and values and commitment and the commitment to safety on both sides, and this is what's happening. Hamas is out of control. They've been defined. And quite honestly, I think if you were to expel Hamas out of that region, you might find some peace if you get them out because they're not helping the Palestinian mission at all by doing what they're doing. They actually are making it so that it is harder and harder for people to live together when you have people just randomly start lobbing missiles in the air instead of working through it. So, again, those are bold statements. If you don't agree with me, you're happy to call in. Number 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960, and I'm happy to chat with you about it. Enlighten me if you want to enlighten me. If you agree with me, you can welcome to call in as well. But the reality is history has its way of repeating itself over and over again. Even when the progressives want to erase our history, it may show its ugly face again, especially if we don't have a reference to protect ourselves from that happening again in the future. Hey, one example, give you an idea. I was on um, a delegation with the United States, about 63 countries, and we were on delegation to counter nuclear Iran and radical Islam. Mayor Giuliani was on this. We had a number of Joint Chiefs of Staff, former Joint Chiefs of Staff chairs that were on there, and umpteen political figures that were uh, far right, far left, everything in between in the United States. Uh, uh, Howard Dean was on this, Bill Richardson. You had um, Cotton. I mean, you start going down the list. It's amazing to see kind of this intergroup that was out here delegating. And the idea was to counter this nuclear deal, do everything we possibly can. Our president of the United States wasn't there, but a lot of other world leaders were there. And that time it was President Obama. And I remember the first time I spoke to this community, the Iranian community that was looking for freedom. And I had read all these manuscripts between Ayatollah, the Ayatollahs, Ayatollah Khomeini and Ayatollah Khamenei, which is in place now. And one mentored the other. And when you started to listen to these individuals, when they did the, high, the, the hostage, the Iranian hostage dynamic that happened, Khamenei went to Khomeini and said, what do we do? And he said, are you afraid of the Americans? And he said, no, I'm not afraid of the Americans. He said, then keep them, keep the hostages. And so that was really the, the genesis or the catalyst. Or the reason why I did it is he, he wanted to make a political statement. He wasn't afraid of the Americans. So he kept them. 
we come back from the break, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how do you how do you get the attention of communities that lead countries like Iran that want to hurt us? And and it may be shocking and you may not like it. It may feel wrong. But I'll tell you, it's something that is a must. And the community and the people of Iran understand this. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Going into the break, we were talking about Israel and what's happening in the here, there in the Gaza and just the conflict. I mean, let me first say that nobody wants conflict. To quote President Biden, he says, just calm down. I mean, come on, really? First of all, I think we all want that. In our minds, we're thinking that. Please, just calm down. You know, let's let's get to a place here. But the, the, the tone and the tenor behind this is just like, come on, man. Using his words, come on, man. It is just, we'll get it together. But you just got to, this oversimplistic approach to this whole process is tough. So when I was doing this, I went into break and I was telling a little story about this Iranian delegation that I was on. I had an opportunity to speak at quite a few events. And the very first event, and I had read, read, I was terrified. I'm like, why did I get invited to speak at this event there to, to be a part of this delegation? Because I really didn't have the Middle Eastern experience. I had global experience as far as my education, understood different regions of the earth, understood trade zones. I understand the different conflicts in history and, and, and religious tensions and religious opportunities worldwide. But I had never been involved directly with this. So I read and I read and I read. And then I got a hold of these manuscripts, as I mentioned before, that showed this interaction between Khomeini and Khamenei. And, the, and when he basically said to him, Look, do you fear the, the Americans? No, then keep the hostages. And what it really triggered in me is that this understanding of fear and force, okay? If you're going to get the attention of certain people in those regions, fear and force. I hate to say it. Nobody ever, I mean, look, I'm not a warmonger, but I'll tell you what, if somebody's trying to disrupt my universe and hurt my family and destroy me, then I will be forceful, okay? I'm not going to roll out a peace pipe and hope that they'll pick it up and puff away on it. I just can't trust that, especially after they've just lobbed missiles over my head or they're threatening to kill me and kill my nation. It's just tough. It's fear and force. Look, there's a convoy that drove through London on Sunday. This convoy was draped with a Palestinian flag and they were driving away. Let's just call this free speech, right? They're honking their horns and doing things. Let me tell you what they were yelling out the windows. And it just hurts me to even think this. Okay, but they yelled this and they were making this a big movement. It said one of the passengers yelled, and I put in quote, the F word, F the Jews, raped their daughters through a loudspeaker as they drove through the residential areas. So it just makes me sick and gross to even repeat it. You don't even want to propagate this or put it out. But this is the kind of distinct hatred that's there and defined hatred that's there that takes away all rational beliefs that people have found their way to trying to solve this problem. Okay, this is sickening. And the people that are in London and these neighborhoods, these Jewish communities that they're driving through, are they the ones propagating any conflict between Israel and uh, the Palestinians in, in Gaza there? I don't believe so. Okay. And they're not funding it. You've got Hamas that originated the actual impact conflict, and they're doing this. And it's crazy. The cars are carrying Palestinian flags. 
understood that they have driven toward central London to continue the rally. And it was mounting and mounting and mounting as they did this. And it was pure hatred. And you get there and people say, oh, racist, this, that, and the other. You just don't see things like this in our nation. Okay, when people start to fight, they're pretty darn clear. But this is wild and crazy to say the least. But nonetheless, here you go. You have more conflict that starts to happen. Now, remember, you have a core and then it spawns out. And if people feel like there's not a strong hegemonic power, then people are going to start to test the limits. And that's what's happening. It's like our kids, our criminals, world powers, whatever. People want to position themselves to get what they want. And if it's fear and it's force, they're going to take it. And if somebody's not there to stop it, then guess what? It's going to grow. I think this is going to fester quite a bit in this nation with Joe Biden as a leader. He's a limp-wristed leader. He'll talk. He won't do. We'll see. I mean, in turn, he says, that, calm down all this. And then he sells. I think that he just fulfilled an order of 700, almost a billion dollars worth of weapons and stuff like that to Israel. And so we'll see if the hypocrisy, where it lands and the outcome that it has, or if they're able to push forward and actually have some meaningful results, as we saw with legitimate peaceful efforts by the last administration. Jared, Jared Kushner didn't get half of the accolades he should have had as it related to his efforts in that region. Again, we've got to have eyes wide open as we do this and hold our leadership accountable and pray for conflict to end and find its way to a resolution that is lasting. Because, again, if we do that, then we can focus on the good. How about perfecting human intelligence, working hard, education, good health, working through this COVID dynamic, not disrupting it even more. The Palestinian and the Gaza Strip is going to have a hard time rebuilding because their infrastructure is being destroyed. And these tunnels and the water flow and everything, it, it, there's a lot happening in that region. And we need to be mindful of what's happening. And we need to let our president know our allies are our allies. And that will help to reduce the violence. Be right back after the break. More to talk about. Welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. Hope you're doing fantastic and having a great day. You know, we're, we're kind of closing in on the end of the hour here. And I, I've just got to tell you, you know, we've got a number of different big stories that are breaking. But here we are in Arizona. And I talked a little bit about being aware early on. And we talked about being prepared for this next election. You've got the audit thing that's going on. And hopefully we'll find uh, absolute transparency there. And we'll see which way that nickel floats as it relates to the information that's found. If there's bad behavior that's defined, fantastic. Let's hold somebody accountable and do it. If there's not bad behavior here, then we need to move on and make sure that we understand. But even if, one way or the other, we need to be focused on the 2022 election. Now, every election, as you know, has two parts, right? You have your primary election where the parties will select by way of the vote of the people their candidates, and then you have the general election where they square off. It's Republican and Democrat. If there's a Libertarian in there, who knows what's going to happen? They square off, and then the people of Arizona, regardless of their partisanship, will vote for who they believe should be the next governor or the next secretary of state, the next superintendent of public instruction, the next treasurer, okay, the next mining director, or the. Uh, and then you start. I'm trying to think through all of it. We have corpcom races that will be open. We've got a number of races, the attorney general. I mean, my gosh, this is a huge election cycle, not to mention our congressional races and a Senate race. Okay, so you have 
all of these things happening, as well as our state legislature. Okay, so big election, big process, big things to consider. We had two announcements today. Two people announced they're running for governor in Arizona, and there's some discussion of other people. The first announcement came from our treasurer, Kimberly Yee, and she is an American-born Chinese citizen and is very active within the Asian community in Arizona. And I've had the great fortune of getting to know her and her family and be a part, like extended family, to spring banquets and all of that and just to see this great culture within our community. And she's been a, a, a public servant. You know, she's from California. She's a public servant here in Arizona. She's done great work, and she's been there. You have Karen Robeson-Taylor that has come out and said – just hours after Kimberly has said, hey, I'm a conservative Republican. She has a phenomenal grassroots and she has uh, politics in her blood from her father's service, her brother serving for a very long time. She's been very active. She's a board of region at this particular time. And she has been a very successful entrepreneur in building businesses and doing great things in real estate and land development. So now you have two people that have, have said, I'm in. And I got to tell you, they're two high quality people that are coming into this race. And so what now you start feeling as a Republican, Republican strategist, something that's involved in politics, you're like, okay, we have some quality candidates coming into this race. And you go, okay, but this is not it. Because you still hear about other people that are thinking about getting into this race. You've heard uh, Attorney General Mark Burnovich has thought about the gubernatorial race and or the Senate race or the gubernatorial race back and forth. It, he's going to work through that and make a decision, but maybe he'll run for governor. Who knows? We have former Congressman Matt Salmon, who I believe will run. And again, a guy with great experience, great longevity, incredible grassroots experience, a conservative perspective on things. And he's been in a political role and he's led and he's been he's not shy to be a leader. And so, again, another high quality candidates getting into the race or will likely get into the race for governor. So you start seeing this and you start seeing alliances form and what have you. And we, the people, need to understand that in this primary basis, we pick our team member, but we also, there's work to do in order to lay the foundation so we have a best outcome in the general election. So you register voters, you get to know voters, you encourage people to vote, you tell people the sweet message of the values and principles that conservatives live their lives so that people can be excited about any candidate that rises to the top in the primary so when they cross over the general election, they can protect us, protecting our values, protecting what we believe are the right way to govern. And we've seen it, and the quality of life shifts when people follow great principle and great policy. And so that's the idea as we get there. We get this election. So it'll be really interesting the next handful of months. And when that cork pops like it did in the sense of Kimberly saying, I'm going to run for governor. And then Karen has come, Karen Taylor uh, has come out and said, I'm going to run. Now you start to see likely people will start to respond, react, and other offices will start to be announced as well. It may feel early to you, but I'll tell you what's happened in politics. It's become 365 days a year every day of every year, to be positioned to be a candidate. And so it's essential that people understand this engagement is not early. It's giving voters options, and now you have people in, and people can start to talk about it, start to learn about our candidates, what have you. It gives us more time to process, which I think is a pretty fantastic thing. So this election process is essential. And we talk about this, what's happening. Now What I look at our Maricopa County, I look at the other county recorders, the indiscrepancies or the challenges that we've had 
with transparency and such. I believe a lot of that will be pushed to the wayside at this particular point because people are now know they're being watched at every level as it relates to elections. And so I believe the election integrity will rise. I'm help. I'm working with groups this year and going into next year to help absolutely make certain that we have the highest election integrity that we've had historically, not just with bills passed and things like that, but this whole monitoring and facilitating of observing the entire process, I think, is essential. Not just watching the physical uh, capture of ballots, but also the digital capture and making sure we have qualified people that are observing and making sure that everything is above board and we're getting it done properly. So all of that is happening. There's groups there's movements that are happening. Maybe you're a part of it. Maybe you want to be a part of it. Uh, you can contact me. You can direct message me in Twitter. I believe my Twitter handle is Robert Graham or Robert S. Graham, excuse me. And you can direct message me there. If you want to get involved somewhere or do something, contact me there and I'll point you in the right direction. There are a lot of different groups and there's people that want to work, but they don't know exactly where and how to use their time and their resources and talents. So that being said, keep an eye because this is just the beginning as it relates to these elections and campaigns. Later, I'm sure I'll be back with Seth and we'll talk about election strategies and things that are happening. But they're already doing polling and they're already trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing and who you like or who you don't like and why you don't like them or why you do like them. Because that will modify, transform and focus messaging so they will become more appetizing to you as time goes on. Actually, if the news reports some of the not-so-appetizing stuff on some of these folks that I'm certain are out there somewhere, you may not like them, and it may, again, help solidify the person you like for the primary election and then in the general. Again, the election process is something that we need to engage in, not shut our eyes until it gets to the election. Vote for those people you know something about and that you believe will help you and help us have the best possible outcome for this country, this state, your locality, you name it. Again, this is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leaps in a 960 The Patriot. The break is coming up, and we will wrap things up for the night. Talk to you soon. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and we are wrapping up the day here on the Seth Leapson Show, and hopefully you've had a fantastic day today, this evening, and things are going well, and you get to spend some downtime at home, hopefully this evening, if you're working tonight, uh, Godspeed, and hope you have a fantastic evening, and, and you're safe out there. Look, we've had one of the most emotional roller coasters we've ever had. We talk about it quite a bit, and I listen to Seth speak about it, with COVID, the ups and downs, the emotions, the inconsistent guidelines that are given out by the CDC and what's happening in the states and the localities. And you, you get these mixed messages from somebody like Kate Gallego and stuff like that. It's like, my gosh, do you comply to anything? Do you think of anything? Do you even think? Maybe that's the question we should ask. But the reality is, and, and then you watch some of this conflict that's happening in the world. When you, And then when the markets shift and you see the inflation dynamics and people start worrying about their jobs again, I mean, really, it's something that you should worry about and process the best you possibly can. If you stay focused on what's good and right, generally speaking, you'll have a good outcome. And it doesn't mean that we'll always remain healthy. It doesn't mean, mean we'll always be good in a financial spot. But if we focus on what's good and right, you tend to solve lots of problems and it balances and gives you some sort of peace. At this particular juncture, the filtering process should be what impacts you and your quality of life. If you start to see policy and process start to infringe on your life, you can change it. You've got to use your mouth. 
You've got to maybe make an investment out there somewhere, maybe donate to some cause or work hard. Maybe it's volunteering, but you become an activist. And whether it's school choice or the life of the unborn, letting people know how you feel and that you are passionate about the outcome will convert people to your way of thinking because they can appreciate it. So our country, think about as early as the Declaration of Independence. When that document was signed, it was the highest act of treason, right? There was no going back. Throw my name on that document and we send it off. And what happens? Well, that whole concept of freedom and being liberated might happen. Or guess what? We are hung or tried and hung. We lose everything. Our families are destroyed and such. And they did it. They threw all in because it's something they believe passionately about. If the summer heat keeps you in how in your house and you don't become an activist as a result, well, you get to deal with the heat for the rest of your time, right, and the policies that happen. So it's about engaging in a meaningful battle. It's about protecting our nation and doing what's right for everybody. Again, I love our country. I love you, and I appreciate you all doing what you're doing and fighting hard for your families and for you. This nation is meant to be a free nation. I believe it is ordained of God, and it's our responsibility to take this gift protect it and do what we can. That means voting for the right people, protecting what we know is honest and true and fighting for virtue. And with that, have a great night. This is Robert Graham on 960 The Patriot.